And welcome back to the flip side, folks. Galen Clavio here along with Brian Moritz. It's 1 o'clock Eastern time on Tuesday, and Brian is apparently strangling a cat in the background. Brian, uh, what's, what's going on? <laughs> oh, from your lips to God's ears. No, no, no. I, I, I love my cat, but uh, my cat is, I don't know, starved for attention, wants food. I don't know. It's a cat. Star, star, star for something, apparently. Star for something. Apparently, yeah. I mean... It's on the floor and, and, and I don't know, wants go away. No. So uh, co-star, uh, co-starring Fiddle this week, the, uh, the, uh, the cat picked out for and named by the kid who never plays with the cat. So that happened. Um, I, yeah. Yeah. I kind of saw that one coming, but was, uh, was outvoted. I parliamentarian procedures about a year ago, I got outmaneuvered on it and, you know, I didn't, I couldn't, you know, the filibuster got broken. I had no chance. You know, I, and I regret to say I was like that as a kid too. Like I wanted a dog and then I'd never played with the dog. Uh, and I felt bad about that in later years. And what's interesting is now, you know, at, at, in my late thirties, I play with my dogs all the time. Right. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I'm with them constantly and they're, they're like really important members of the family. Um, I think when you're a kid, it seems rare more so than not that you like really play with the dog a lot or with the right. cat in your case. Right. And, and so, and, and this particular cat, we got it, we got her as a kitten almost one year ago, one year ago, I think on Sunday is our anniversary. And we got it when we got it, we had an older cat and that cat passed away actually a year ago tomorrow, I think. Um, and so it was, not picked out as the replacement, but it ended up being that way. And cats are, you know, they're fun to play with at times, but, you know, dogs are so much more natural. You know, they're more fun. You take them for walks, you wrestle them in the yard. The cat, you get the laser pointer, and, and you know, that that's really their only trick. That and whining on podcasts, which both both things my cat is outstanding at doing. To be fair, there's a lot of people that host podcasts that are great at both of those things, too. But that's a good point. That is kind of a prerequisite for the medium. Um, but you are – so we, we had a week off last week as you were um, enjoying a nicer area of the country than either one of us is currently in. No disrespect to Rochester or Bloomington, but uh, spending a lovely week. I had a lot of FOMO following your trip around Southern California on Facebook. Yeah, it was great. We were out in uh, San Diego, stayed out in Mission Beach. My brother-in-law lives out there, so mm. had a good Airbnb experience, rented oh, a car, nice. drove out to the desert and the mountains, um, You know, got to eat a lot of good food. I thought this was interesting. I was mentioning this to someone the other day. Uh, I didn't watch a single minute of sports except the rare times that I was in a bar and there was sports on, and I didn't, I didn't miss a second. Of that, I really I, like. There was really? nothing about not watching sports for a week while I was out there that that made me think, "Damn, I wish I was like I had ESPN on or something like that." Um, mm-hmm. so I, it's interesting because I was thinking while I was out there, it's like I, I wish there was a you know a, like multiple sports media programs on the West Coast because I would move there in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. And but the fact that there's not kind of ties in with the environment where it's like you don't really need to watch consumer sports out there because there are there you know it's kind of a cliche but it's true there's like there's a lot more to do and there's a lot more to take your mind off of things that's interesting and it's you know that's kind of the cliche uh for san diego fans like they've gone there i think they're the longest city with a with a title drought or i think i want to say they are and the line we always say is well who cares they live in san diego 
and you know you know it's not like buffalo or cleveland was or any kind of the other nor northeast kind of traditional heartbroken cities nobody feels heartbroken in or around san diego but you know that's interesting there's something is that there's something to that as you're saying now do you think that's also a byproduct of the time of year we're in i mean it's not march when you were out there it's not or may when the playoffs are going it's basically you know major league baseball and soccer and um, tennis basically is what's going on i feel like in order to be able to adequately answer that i would need to go back during that time period and see which, which if, you're, not... if you want to do for the flip side i'd right. be more than willing to have our, our our sponsors generously uh subsidize your travel I mean, I, you know, maybe I'm getting old and, and uh, bothered by sports a little bit now, but I, I feel like in most cases, I got, well, I'll say this, like I've been to Miami, uh, you know, when the, we've got the cruise ship conference that goes on down there, and there's a couple other times when I've been down in Miami when it's been warm, and uh, it, sports really hasn't occupied my mental territory very much while I've been in those spots. And I think California in particular, it's like I was, my, my walking rate is always way up there because I'm outside a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's, I don't know that I would necessarily have a much of a different approach if it was the middle of, you know, November or the middle of February in that particular location. Uh, you know, again, because I, it's, Sports is kind of like it's there's a lot of idleness to it. And and I was thinking about this while I was on the plane coming back. You know, we watch NFL games every week, but very rarely is any one individual game that important that we feel like we can't miss it. Uh, You know, and baseball certainly is like that. The NBA is certain. I mean, even in the playoffs, you know, I mean, you're missing playoff games and you're not really because, you know, we, we saw this this year. I mean, the, I think something like only like 30% of all the NBA playoff games were actually competitive by nature. Mm-hmm. Um, so it almost, I, I feel like we've become so saturated with sports that a lot of the sporting events themselves have become almost individually superfluous. And it's like, if you miss a couple of weeks, no big deal, as long as you can get the broad brushstroke of what's going on. Right, or you can j- hop on Twitter or Deadspin and get the gif of the highlight of the big highlight or like the big the the key play, and you'll find out it's very easy to kind of catch up on stuff in sports where it makes like that appointment viewing of it kind of go away. I had a similar ish experience uh, this past December when we went down. We took a trip to Florida. We did Universal. We did Disney and a couple of other things, and I deliberately stayed off of almost all social media for the week um, and. And, and, and it's interesting because, yeah, I, I had a similar experience to that where, like, I realized I didn't miss it. And a lot of it is the nature of vacation. Like, you're doing stuff. You're seeing new places. You're going to eat. You've got your kids. You're visiting people. You know, you're at Disney World or whatever. You know, you're, 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 your attention is otherwise occupied with new stuff and good stuff. And so there's less impetus to kind of check in or to feel like you need to see what's going on in sports. And so when I, you know, I, I, and I like those breaks. I think those breaks are really good, whether it's from sports, from news, from social media or whatever. And so what, I I guess my uh, kind of a follow-up question on it, do you feel like you are, now that you're back in your, back in your kind of normal routine, are you kind of back into, okay, watching sports again? Or is this kind of like a, uh, like a line in demarcation, like, oh, and this is like a new, 
post vacation reality. It's not necessarily. I mean, part of it there is I think the you know the we're in a very very deep lull in sports right now. Like right now, what am I going to watch? I'm going to watch the College World Series, or I'm going to watch people arguing about John McEnroe. Like that's about I, that's about I actually I actually shut off. I listen to the PTI podcast every morning. I actually shut it off when they were talking about the McEnroe Serena thing. And I and I get to this point every summer. It must be a summer thing where. And they start arguing about something stupid like that. And I'm like, I can't. I, I, I just really kind of get at the not – that, not that all, like, sports arguments aren't done, but this is – this is you know, that's just kind of like the – no, I don't want to spend two days thinking about this and hearing about this. That's – no, there's enough. But no. I feel like a lot of what we're seeing in sports now is very manufactured along those lines. It is, mm-hmm. it is all about sustaining attention, and it's like – uh, even the events themselves. Um, I mean, right now, what is compelling about the world of baseball at this particular point in time? Um, not to say that there aren't things for like the fanatics, but if you're not a fanatic, right. and, and if we acknowledge that the fanatics make up a very small percentage of the audience, then what right now is compelling uh, for them? And so, uh, you know, Yes. I mean, I've got it on in the background, but normally while I'm doing something else, like playing Mm -hmm. a video game or something like that on the computer um, or working downstairs on, on, you know, organizing the house or something. But no, it's um, but I look, I mean, it's part of a larger trend. I wouldn't call it a line of demarcation, but it's it was more just the mental attitude that surrounded being uh, being near the beach, being in the mountains finding other things to do. Maybe that gets old. Maybe it's just a commentary on, you know, the gradual de-evolution of interest in most of the things that surround us as human beings. Like, you know, unless you're constantly changing the, the, the surroundings, maybe that's the problem with your daughter and the cat. Maybe she just got bored with the cat very quickly. And maybe in order to get her to pay attention, you need a new cat. What are you? No. No, that's a terrible I'm, idea. I'm, not saying, yeah, I'm just saying if you wanted her to pay attention, maybe you'd need to get a new cat. Ah, uh, no, no. Um, no, this cat's just an, this is, she's just antisocial, even as cats go. Um, she's very needy for attention. Then when you give it to her, she goes away um, and, and doesn't want to be touched. So there's probably a metaphor for sports media in there somehow. But, um, and now she was climbing all over me. So again, metaphor, my cat is a metaphor. Um, so anyway, um, but no, it's, I mean, it is, it is interesting to think like, I, 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 I tell my students this every now and then that, for someone who studies sports media, who hosts a blog called Sports Media Guy, I really watch a shocking little amount of sports, especially live sports. And that's something I've found as I've gotten kind of gotten older. I mean, in part, once I got married, once we had a, we had a kid, you know, re, you know, downtime becomes kind of very limited, and I don't want to say sacred because that that kind of makes it too highfalutin, but like. Like, I will watch the Bills on Sunday or follow them. I will watch, like, the hockey playoffs when I kind of got into the Toronto-Washington uh, series. I'll watch that, you know, Bonaventure games on TV. But what I found less lacking is the, oh, and North Carolina's playing Florida State, and they're both t- top ten kind of game that, you know, a lot of, you know, in my 20s when I was more into it, I would have sat down and watched that or flipped around on that. And without that, when there's no real emotional investment, when it's just a game to have on, I'm, I'm very limited. I'm, I'm very, you know, like even the NBA playoffs, I was like, I'm fo- I, I can follow it just, and maybe it's part of it too. You can follow it so well on, on online and on social media that, you know, I don't need to 
invest the time to watch it. And I can kind of have it on even more on the periphery as like, you know, check the score every five minutes to see what's going on. And that's it. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, there's, there's, there's a certain, um, what's the, I'm trying to think of the right way to phrase this. There, There is a certain desire on the part of sports to constantly, and, and media, sports media, I think more than anything else, to constantly keep your attention. This actually ties into some degree with a, an article that popped up that got a lot of attention yesterday about how Fox Sports is cutting, what, like 20 writing and editorial positions mm-hmm. because they want to focus on video, right. uh, you know, on, on digital video. And a lot of that digital video is focused on their uh, their opinion makers, basically the stars, right. quote unquote, uh, the, the the name brand people that they've brought in, and it kind of plays in with this. I mean, you know, what is it that makes the sports media world go, and and to some degree the sports world go? I mean, let me tie it in with something else before I get to my point, which is mm-hmm. the uh, the NBA announced their salary cap numbers for next year, and. Okay. You know, originally it was supposed to be like 108 million, and then it got revised down to like 102, 101. Well, it ended up being 99 million. And one of the reasons, I think, the primary reason for that that I've seen stated is that there weren't enough playoff games. Uh, okay. You know, the, the, you know the, there were there were only five games in the in the uh, in the NBA Finals. There were only what um, nine nine, nine of a possible the 16 in the conference finals. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot of lost revenue not just for the individual teams that were involved, but also from television. Mm-hmm. Um, so you end up with a situation where your revenue and everything that makes you go, and this is the same for Fox, it's the same for ESPN, is based upon this idea that you have to keep people watching because you have to get advertisers connected to people in real time because that's how we're measuring things. And mm-hmm. that doesn't really work if you are going to let sports operate as a, an entity that just generates its own outcomes, if that makes any sense. Right. So, you know, it's funny because the, the NBA for many years in the nineties, especially in the early two thousands often got accused of kind of being like uh, WWE or WWE. The Tendonahy kind of fixed not just that, but I mean, you know, I mean, like the oh, you know, the the NBA wanted the Knicks in the finals in in right. four, uh, or they wanted, you know, the the Lakers under Kobe to do X, Y, and Z, and and whether or not that was true, the the concept was, hey, you know, we we don't want to rely on random chance to generate the things that we think people will be interested in because there's money involved. Well, now we're almost in in an era where not just the leagues, but also the media have such a vested interest in the audience constantly being there that you can't afford to have people's attention wane or get focused on something else. Because if you do, you end up, you know, not hitting your, your sales figures, not hitting your revenue goals and, and really finding yourself in a lot of trouble corporately. Mm-hmm. That's, and it, it, and it does kind of open that door to, um, you know, what are they, what's the NBA going to do to stretch this final series out from five games to six games and six games to seven games? And um, and now all of a sudden, you, you said players are going to – with the salary caps lower, that's going to start hurting players and not just star players. It's going to hurt all players because now there's less money available for the next free agent dealers. There's next uh, 
less money available. And when, when, when money's on the table, I mean, that's just, you know, that's just the recipe for stuff happening and for, for, um, you know, for just weirdness. And it, and it does get, you're right. It does get interesting now when kind of everybody's long-term financial, uh, health and financial deals and just kind of like, you know, paychecks are very much dependent upon this idea of attention, right? You look at, you see this on the web. That's why you have, you know, like we talked last time, it's why you have crappy newspaper websites with video and pop-up and annoying pop-up ads and stuffing like that and, and stuff like that. They're, 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 they have your attention and they're trying to get every possible dime and nickel and dollar out of that attention as possible. And you, they, it coming from that, perspective you end up making bad decisions because of that and we kind of and, and we mentioned that last week and so when and when well there are so many options available and there's so much um uh content i hate using that word but when there's so much you can see all of a sudden now what do you do to stand out and what do you do to get people to do it and more and, and it is dangerous when all of a sudden you lose that attention now it's not just, well, okay, numbers are down, whatever. Now it's people are making less money and that's trickling down, not just at the network that was broadcasting games and, and doesn't have the money anymore. It, it doesn't have the ratings it wanted to anymore, but now that's affecting players, which is going to affect on and on and on and on. And that's a cascading waterfall. That's interesting. What, what do you make? This, this ties in with this, I think. Um, what do you make of, did you, did you, did, did you, hold on. Did you see the Jeff Bezos commentary from last week by chance no i did not let me see so i'm gonna i'm gonna just quote this for the people who haven't heard it yet this was the nbc had a story on it several others but uh jeff bezos spoke at the future of newspapers conference in turin last week and his advice is that that put on by google future of newspapers or is that different am i thinking of something else uh i honestly don't know Okay. Continue. Uh, sure. But anyway, his, his um his advice was as follows. Um, this is again, this is paraphrased from the CNBC article, which was written by Matt Rossoff. Um, focus on readers first, not advertisers. Uh, in his response about the question about the similarities between running Amazon and the Washington Post, he said, "We run Amazon and the Washington Post in a very similar way in terms of the basic approach. We tend to be customer centric, which in the case of the Post means reader centric." I think you can get confused. You can be advertiser-centric, and what advertisers want, of course, is readers, and so you should be simple-minded about that, and you should be focused on readers. If you can focus on readers, advertisers will come. So let me just take that point. What we're talking about and what you just said was about, okay, making bad decisions because of this idea. At the end of the day, this idea that your advertisers, who are the ones paying for sports and paying for the coverage of sports, they want connections with people. Mm-hmm. So we make decisions based upon what we think the advertisers want. Well, if your focus is on the people that are actually consuming the content rather than the advertisers, isn't that a better way of doing things? And it's interesting because you would think in the news business, particularly in sports, that that would have been kind of the kernel of thought for a lot of the business model. But in reality, because you know, for years and years and years, and we've mentioned this on the podcast before, people have said, oh, you know, subscriptions don't matter in the newspaper industry. It's, they make their money off of advertising. Well, that, that was true until about 1998. Now it's, um, well, that model's but, flipping, yeah. But, but that mentality is still mm-hmm. there. You know, that mm-hmm. mentality is still, oh, 
um, you know, we need to focus on the advertisers because that's where we've always had our money. And the readers have always been a fortunate incidental. Right. Um, but that doesn't really work in an era when you aren't guaranteed an audience. And that's mm-hmm. like, that was the, the, that seems to be the piece that everybody's been missing to some degree on this. And, you know, it's interesting because Bezos goes on to say, um, you know, if you, if you want people to pay for things, ask them to pay for them and they will. And there's been a lot of hesitancy to going to that model. We've seen more and more companies doing that, but, but within sports, especially, um, you know, we, we, we haven't seen that hesitancy in certain areas, uh, you know, namely in like certain pay-per-view models. So like take boxing, for instance, that you only generally have, or, 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 or UFC is another good one. You don't have that many huge events, but if you look at the amount of money that gets generated by those events, there's a, there's a a clear direct pay model that does work and could probably be extrapolated to a larger scale, smaller amount model. Mm -hmm. Um, But yet, you know, the, the reaction that people had to that story about Fox cutting their writing and editorial staff was, well, gosh, this is a clear indicator that Fox has misplaced priorities. And I don't know if that's really the right takeaway from this particular move, because the, I, don't, I don't know that priorities necessarily come into play in an environment like what we're seeing right now. I mean, their entire justification was we, we're tracking metrics, we're tracking what our audiences are doing, and what our audiences want is they want more video content. Now, there were a lot of individual people that popped up on Twitter and said, well, I don't watch video, but I don't know that I'd totally buy that because I do believe that the majority of people that are out there right now consuming sports content are probably gravitating more towards digital video than they are gravitating towards individual written stories. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, it's a lot, to, a lot to think about here. Um, you know, that, that idea of focus on readers, I think that's a good, you know, we can, I think we can all agree that that's good. Right. You should definitely kind of, you know, especially for a news organization, you should be putting the public first, especially given everything that's going on politically and news wise and even sports. Your readers should be, you know, it it should definitely be reader reader focused. Um, You know, it's always easy for Jeff Bezos, who The Washington Post is not his primary uh, uh, moneymaker to say that. Um, and these are just kind of stream of, of, of oh, yeah, it's just a thought. So it's kind of like, you know, you know, yeah, it's, that's, you know, to, to ape one of my favorite podcasters, you can say that's fine for Jeff Bezos. You know, he's making his billions on Amazon. The post is kind of his, you know, his, his side project, right. It's his wings. Um, but like, so he's, he kept saying when, on that, that paraphrase quote, focus on readers, focus on readers. You need to focus on readers. I want to know what that means. To him, well, to you, to anybody, you know, we can say focus on readers. Okay, describe what that looks like because here's, I, and I think the news organiz- news business is a weird one to, an uh, weird, wrong word, interesting uh, one to apply that metric to and that logic to because I think taken to an, it, it, it can be taken to an extreme, which is not to say the philosophy is bad, but the, the practice can be bad. So, Fox Fox Sports putting all its resources behind video because they have metrics. Most people are gravitating toward video. I'll grant you that. I'm one of those. I don't watch video people, but I'm weird. I don't watch video. I I know I know I'm in the minority on that one, or at least I'm not. You know, 
I'm, I'm an edge case and I'm cool with that. But, but I think, but what, what it gets down to, I think is, you know, they're putting their emphasis on video and let's be honest, they're putting their emphasis on getting viral videos of Whitlock and Bayless and Clay Travis and all their kind of talking heads saying outrageous stuff. And okay, fine. Business model, go with it. I, I, I think the, the problem becomes, well, we have metrics, so people want video. So we're going to double down on video. Well, is that making good stuff? Is that making stuff that's really useful to re- to readers and visitors, or is that just giving people what they want? And I think that's a dangerous thing when you get into any kind of like journalistic news or organization or any kind of journalistic news organization where you give people what gets clicks and you get people what they want. And then you get a whole lot of, at my newspaper in Binghamton, we used to have very big, uh, photo spreads, it's going to be a terrible word when you heard it was, of cheerleading competitions. So they would have the big cheerleading competition at the arena and all the schools and they would do, you know, photo galleries, I should say, photo galleries. That's the, no no double entendre intended there. Um, and those would get, you know, huge numbers of traffic because of course they would, right? And that's that's not a bad thing. The problem is that I, I feel like that 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 can incorrectly be, be extrapolated into give people fluffy content of zero substance or just like super shareable bits content. And when we're talking journalistically, when we're talking about news, even when we're talking about something like sports journalism, which isn't necessarily as serious or as important grand scale as some of this other stuff, you know, I, I, I feel like that, that give, you know, think of the readers. I think too often, here's what I'm getting at long time to get there. I think too often we extrapolate that out to give them what, what, what we think they want rather than give them something useful or something important. And that can be a story about that's, you know, not super clicker or shareable or, but is important about a tax rate or something like that. And, and so I feel like that focus on reader is a really good place, but I'm always just interested to hear, okay, well, what's what to do to do the Jeb Bartlett? What are your next 10 words on that? Focus on reader. Great. I want to focus on the reader too. What are your next 10 words? What does that really look like to you? Okay. So let me take a crack at that. Um, I'll, I'll say this. I think part of the issue is, the hierarchical structure that we've discussed many times in the past of what journalists perceive as the the most intellectually acceptable and preferred way of delivering content. Uh, so I think part of the issue is when you say video, you know, and take the Fox specific thing out of it. For, mm-hmm. for a moment when when you when you look at video we're still trapped in a in a 20th century mindset where television because it was aimed at a much broader audience and was also um because of the kind of the the nature of the news business was forced to dumb down the content ended up being you know having less intellectual points in it than many newspaper articles did. And we're still thinking along those lines. And I think when you talk about, okay, focus on readers, I think really what we need to be saying is focus on consumers of news content and think about, okay, what are the most, first of all, what's the most effective way to get a point across? Is it to have somebody read a piece of content or is to have somebody watch and listen to a piece of content? Like what senses actually stimulate the brain and stick in the brain? And I think that you'll find that for the vast majority of people, what makes the most impact is visual or audiovisual, that combination of those two senses, as opposed to just one or the other. 
Um, but the problem is there's a bias against video in general because it's still perceived as not being as intelligent as what you find in a newspaper setting, when in reality, you can do both. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, know, you, can, you can have all, you know, almost all of the pertinent points and the visuals, the pictures that tell a thousand words, the audio that tells the other thousand words of what was written down, if it's designed properly. Now, the fact that Fox is using this to go in a direction that is promoting you know, hot take commentary maybe obscures the larger point here, which is that the audience is gravitating towards a particular type of content that most newspapers are not just unable to embrace, but are like intellectually unwilling to embrace. And I think that that might end up being the larger hurdle that needs to be overcome. And when Bezos says focus on readers, again, I think that's probably said because the context of this is the future of newspapers conference and you can't very well go in and say focus on consumers because then everybody just rolls their eyes and tunes out the entire rest of the lecture as i would do um but you know and and i wrote down like how video is conceived and done and i think about this from my time at newspapers which admittedly was 10 15 years ago now and also like what i hear and what i teach from now my dog's getting into the mix jesus my pets are annoying <laughs> um Anyway, um, and, and it's very much how I, I like what you. I, I do like what you said that how video done well can be an effective storytelling means, can be an effective journalistic means. And too often, I think, and I'm guilty of this from my career, both teaching and and doing. You know, video is very much a separate thing from your story, or it's very much here are some pictures and you put some text underneath it, or you do like it, it's kind of. It's not very, it's not something, and this is something we we can do as educators, probably. It's not something where you think out, you know, it's very much do a, the the idea behind it is do a video because we can have an ad on it and people like video and therefore we'll get more traffic and engagement on the site. And that's the wrong kind of put readers first mindset. The right kind of put readers, focus on readers mindset is what's the best way to tell the story that, that I'm telling? What's the it, it, what's the best way to have get this information to the readers that they're going to intellectually process it, that they're going to remember it, that they're going to act on it if need be, or just kind of strike a nerve. Sometimes that might be, if that's video, tell the story by video. If it's a story that lends itself better to long form, hashtag long form, do long form. If it's a podcast, you know, basically the, you know, what they teach us in grad school from a, from a study standpoint, right? You get your research question first and then develop the methodology based on that rather than I'm going to do a qualitative study on blank and then kind of fit around there. And that's where I think all around you kind of get jumbled messes. I guess I, I'm just, I'm thinking about day to day consumption of news because you know, I, the, the average person, the average news consumer isn't probably going to read a long form story or listen to a podcast. I mean, they're, they're, the ones, the, the, those are advanced news consumers, the, the people that are going to make deeper dives into things. And you and I both belong to that category. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, but, you know, the average person, they, they look at their day and they say, I have a finite amount of time to consume news. In the current digital environment, it makes sense to aim towards trying to put that news in the most effective format that is still intelligent, that still provides a sense of the story's breadth and depth and makes the person think, okay, I have an understanding of that issue, just like it's always been. I mean, you look at newspaper writing 
you know, AP stories, everything, like the way that those have been set up for years, they've been based around this idea of we need to communicate this clearly and directly and not in a complicated manner to a broad swath of people because that's that's who the average news consumer is in the country. Mm-hmm. I just now we're in an environment where the the best way of doing that probably isn't just the written word. And that's something that that I think is, you know, what, what you talked about. I mean, there's there's a real problem when the immediate reaction to removing stuff over to video is, well, this is anti-journalistic. It may be in micro, but the macro movement of it, I think, is is doesn't have to be at all if people take the medium seriously for what it can actually do. I would love to see a, uh, some sort of study or survey or audience research or something. How much people, I, I, I will grant you that people watch a lot of video. I'll, I'll take that as read that I, I'm not going to doubt Fox's metrics or anybody's metrics that video is, is online video is extremely popular. I'm wondering how many people actually like it and find it effective or are they clicking it because it's there and like they go to a story and the, and the top of the page is a video and, and well, let's click it because it's a video. And do they actually learn from it? Do they actually like it? Or we just and, and so I'm, I'm I guess you know my my print defensiveness uh, is, is activated here, and I'll admit that. But I I guess I just always wonder like is video really effective and popular, or is it just are people just clicking it? Or is it actually useful? That's what I, I'm, I'm getting at with the focus on readers. Like yes, video gets clicks and video gets plays, and that can video can absolutely and should be an effective journalism storytelling move i'm just wondering is it really effective or is it just they're putting video out there so people are clicking on it and hey look people are clicking on video so they're watching it i don't know maybe they're maybe i'm just not seeing it right but that's what i wonder you're you're a social scientist i'm a social scientist sounds like a good experimental study i will say i will say this if we're going to do this part of the issue is you know, there's good video and there's bad video, just like there's good writing and bad writing. And I think part of the, part of the problem when the two get compared to each other is that a lot of times we take the best writing and compare it against the worst video and say, see, video is awful. Video doesn't really tell you anything. You don't learn anything from it. I think, uh, you know, properly done Mm -hmm. in, in the, in, in the digital internet format, uh, I would, I would, postulate that it's probably just as if not more effective than a than a written article that would be interesting to see like an average video like an average average to good quality video average to good quality news story like they you know i don't know how you measure that you know social scientists will figure we'll figure out some scale to do that but like something where it's like you know um i think you i think you, you probably measure it using uh, you know issue salience and issue comprehension based right. you know so pretest and give the person, you know, give the different, you know, groups the different types of video no. or, or oh, no. story, oh, no. and, that, and that gives you a sense, I think, of okay, did they comprehend, and did they did their interest level go up to a degree that was commensurate with the level of quality? Oh no, 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 I got that, but I'm wondering on the like, how do you actually measure like this is a good medium to good, average to good quality news uh, written story? Versus, you know, like, like I understand the salient, like the, the, um, the, the test of it, but like, well, like you, we could have you write one and me write one and yours would be the good quality and <laughs> the average quality. I mean, and then, and then, yeah, and then we'll swap, swap it on the video and we'll be good. There you go. I like that. So anyway, um, that's all I've got on that topic. Any other final thoughts on that? 
On that, not not particularly. Like I love the like I said, I love the idea of focusing on the reader. I just think that 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 that's a consumer. Good, cons- yeah, reader. <laughs> this is the this is the journalist versus the sports business per, uh, uh, tension that it lies at the heart of the flip side. I guess. Um, but yeah, um, but no, I, I think that's a great kind of starting point. I just you know, it's one of those things where you want to make sure you're asking that in the right way and not what's good for the reader. Because I feel like sometimes that what, what's when we say focus on the reader, it's inadvertently well we're really focusing on the advertisers because we're focusing on the reader because they click video. But that's but we're focusing on the metric because that's what we can charge advertisers for. So it's kind of like a reverse uh, judo trick. Sometimes it's more like I said, more mindset than question. Well, okay. The, okay. The, so I have one more thing to say in response to that then, which is that I, it, that's an easy thing to say if your medium isn't being picked. Like, I think it's easy as a, as a writing person to say, oh, writing's being, we're not really focusing on the, on the consumer because they're, the consumer isn't choosing writing, they're choosing video. Um, you know, just like I think from a video perspective, you could say that, you know, I, I think in the 90s and early 2000s, there were a lot of people who thought video was a more effective medium for for transmission who would say, well, there's a confirmation bias from all these newspapers who are claiming that writing is the, the superior way of communicating information oh, because that's where absolutely. all their money's coming from. So, absolutely. you know, so, you know, but but I think I think ultimately you know, this idea that, that video is just available and writing somehow isn't, I mean, in sports, especially like I would, I would argue probably two thirds of the links that are out there on Twitter or Facebook go to written stories, if not three quarters. I mean, there might be a video embedded, but ultimately they go to written stories. So this idea that, Oh, video is easy to find. And you know, writing's hard to find. I would actually argue quite the opposite. I, I feel like that's the opportunity for like, you know, are the new generation of reporters for our students basically is to kind of really, and again, maybe print bias showing whatever, perfect that two to three minute video. Like one of some of my favorite videos are the eight to 12 minute, like the 30 for 30 shorts or the five thirty-eight shorts that they did before the election. I love that as a storytelling tool. I think that's really effective. They're really interesting. Um, and maybe, you know, I just think the biggest problem with most newspaper videos is that it sucks. And I think that that's well, a yeah, good. It does because they don't care about it. Like it's, that's, it well, that's what I'm saying. No, okay, then, it's like then, most then. most newspaper podcasts suck for the exact same reason. Right. So that's you know again you know that you know perfect that you know lo- the long form article has been perfected or very close, and there'll always be a need for and there's there's always going to be good writers at that. Let's perfect the two to three minute video or the 40 minute podcast video as the case may be. But let's, you know, that's, you know, I, 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 I don't know. I have a very, I, like I said, I have my anti video bias. I just don't like watching video online. I'm like the like non YouTube guy. And that's just personal preference. Like I don't doubt that it's good. I just, I don't, I, I've never liked it. And I always, you know, video is again, it, it sometimes it's kind of put forth as this thing that, you know, inadvertently or, you know, vertently, I was like, no, you know, newspapers, you're all too wedded to your pretty words. Embrace video, and that's where the audience is, and that's where the future is. And just, it, it, it feels like it's it, sometimes, again, maybe it's the way it's being sold, but it's being sold as the silver bullet, that if you just accept video, you will, you will, you will, you will find financial salvation, you will reach your audience, you will da-da-da-da-da, and you just, I don't know. 
I'm resistant to it. I'm, I'm not, I'm open. I'm, I'm openly resistant to it. How's that for contradictory? Ah, it's interesting. Uh, we'll, we'll but have as to, a, but as ahead. it says, I don't know that Brian Morris doesn't know the territory. So, well, you know, look, that ended up being, that, that ended up being a music man joke because since the last time we talked, my kid did her, did the, <laughs> her music man play. So that song's still in my head, but yeah. that ended up being pretty apropos. Well, there you go. Well, we'll continue this at a later time. Any any yes. other topics you'd like to hit before we wrap things up? No, not not really. I mean, at some point, the, you know, there was a uh, question I think from last week about Desert Island albums. We, was it? We actually had a comment, two comments from Chronic Hoosier, actually, who I, what okay. I wanted to get to. So yeah, uh, he and he hit something that we hit in the previous podcast uh, with the second comment, which was Gannett autoplay on top of every damn article. The worst, absolute. That's bad video. That's bad video. Yes. That, but that's that's not bad video. What that okay, is... That's bad editorial lot decision that layout is, design. That is bad managerial layout design, absolutely. Right. That is that is taking... Well, that is basically... That, that is like the, the most cynical aspects of what you're talking about writ large in this business. Right, and I do think that that has an effect on viewing video as a whole. Not and again, print bias, whatever. But I feel like when you talk about video, one the thing I that comes to mind instantaneously, like the 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 top of mind is the Gannett video autoplay on top of everything, which is awful and terrible, and, and they're poorly done and all that. And so yes, I have to fight that. But that's again the decisions that are made at, at an executive corporate level trickle down and have an effect on how it's produced and how it's received. I think those are two different things. I think how it's produced, uh, I mean, if these are individual companies making individual decisions. And it would be interesting to do a survey of the, the production standards and quality of videos that are, that are existent within, particularly within sports media, um, like how are they being produced, how are they being utilized, and, and get a sense of, of the audience's response to those things. Uh, so. Mm-hmm. That's another study we could do, I guess. Another one. But, uh, but again, it's like, as, as, as we are, as not we, as you and, 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 and people like you are want to do, you take the worst example yeah. and, and then extrapolate that to everything and then well, take the very best example of writing and extrapolate that to everything. And it's just, that's, that's a very frustrating double standard. True. I'll, I'll allow that. I'll, I'll allow that. That's true. <laughs> I mean, no apologies for my written, my written snobbery. What was uh, Chronic Hoosier's other comment slash question slash need for back, help? Back to the first thing that we were talking about in terms of uh, sports attitudes towards sports media consumption on the West Coast. He said, okay. it's very much a West Coast thing. It took me 20 plus phone calls just to find a bar in Portland, Oregon that would air IU's opening round NCAA tournament game. Interesting. So I wonder if that, you know, how much part of that too is the time differential thing, but also, um, you know, because most of most events there are happening, you know, most of the big name events in the East, they're happening four thirty, five o'clock there. So it's a whole lot of, you know, yeah, that's interesting. I've never, I've only, I, I haven't been to the West Coast since, oh God, 2000 was the last time I was in California. And that was only a couple quick trips out for covering basketball. So it's, it's a very, it's interesting because we're really the only Western country that has to deal with this like complete disassociation from a time perspective. I mean, think Mm -hmm. about it pretty much every European country with the exception of Russia, of course, 
is I think exists in in a single time zone. Uh, there right. might be one or two that don't, and if I I just don't know off the top of my head, but pretty much all of Germany and all of of Italy and all of France and Spain and England exist within individual time zones. And so the idea that you know a, a big game would take place at a time when you know thirty five percent of the of the population of the country wouldn't be able to conveniently watch it is is kind of silly. You know, it's funny. You think about all the complaints about postseason baseball games, you know, the, the first pitch going at 9 o'clock Eastern, and everybody's like, think of the kids. And it's like, right. well, well, think of the kids on the West Coast. Like, if we pitch this at 7 o'clock, like, right. half of them are still in school when, 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 you know, the first three innings are being taken place. Well, so we just, that's the, we just don't the case, think about that. They can bring in a transistor radio and right. listen to it in an earpiece like I did in 1952 when the Giants <laughs> were playing the, the Yankees in the World Series, and I don't even think they were in the World Series together that year, but I'm sticking yeah. to that story. So, But it is interesting to hear that, like, the, uh, the kind of cliche well, or understood West Coast thing is legit and real. And and uh, another comment here from from Chronic, less about time differential, he says, more about a sheer lack of joints investing in sports TV packages. It's oh. just not as valued as much there as it is here. Oh, Which interesting. Yeah. I would argue maybe it's not valued as much because it's not at a convenient time. But right. but but I mean it's like it's like a chicken or egg thing, you know. It's right. like if you, yeah. if you can't go to the bar and watch games, it's like so. I you know I've taken to watching Premier League, which I, I've you know I, I'm happy to see you've done as well. And no, uh, a few games here and there. I did watch Everton. I kind of claimed Everton as my team. I don't know why they were on at the gym. I like their uniforms. Everton. That's fine. Go, hey, go Everton. Yeah, yeah. They got to start somewhere, right? <laughs> Uh, but uh, but you know it's it's tough here because a lot of the games don't start until you know eight a.m. nine a.m. and mm-hmm. you know on the West Coast that's five a.m. maybe six a.m. and if your team if you get up and your team is getting boat raced in the first twenty minutes then you really feel like you've wasted the day and so <laughs> I don't know it's it is it is something that we just don't think about that much here but I also I, I it goes back to something else we were talking about at the beginning which is just that there's just a different mentality in a lot of places on the west mm-hmm. coast which I think is interesting uh, and I don't think is necessarily bad best thing you ate on, uh, out there Oh boy. Um, the best thing I ate, I, I mean, it was the seafood tacos. It's always the seafood tacos. I mean, uh, whether it's, whether it's the shrimp or whether it's the mahi or whether it's the octopus, um, you know, there's always something really like unique about the seafood tacos that are out there. And, you know, the California burrito, I highly recommend if you've never had a California burrito, I would, I would do that. But the, the seafood tacos stick so with me. I have had a California burrito, but it was in Vestal, New York. So I don't know if it's an actual Vestal California burrito or just the New York. So what is, so what is, what, what is was it? in, what was in the California burrito you had in New York? So it was, uh, you could get it with chicken or steak. So I alternated French fries in it and a cheese and salsa. I want to say either salsa in or outside. I, I can't remember. It's been a while, but I it, mean, was, it, basi- it was basically like a Permani, Permani Brothers burrito without the coleslaw. I mean, that's technically yes. Okay. But, um, no, no. I, I'm not saying I had an authentic California. I just didn't know if, what was specific about that versus like this was a place with a California theme. So they just called it a California burrito because right. I'm in no. Vestal. What do I know? Okay. No. So, so no, yeah, that's, have, that's, you need to go out and have a real one out there. I mean, I, and like I said, our, our generous sponsors can fund our trip in March and we can figure this out. So. 
Anyway, uh, I think that'll wrap it up. Um, yeah, good stuff. Um, thanks to uh, all of you for watching and listening, and we will look forward to catching up with you next week. Uh, send us your comments, questions, uh, you know, future podcast topics. We'd love to hear from you uh, at Flipside Pod or at Dr. GC or at BP Moritz, all of those on Twitter, assuming Twitter's still around next week, which, I mean, you know. Um, you can also catch up with us on uh, the YouTube channel. And, of course, uh, subscribe to us on iTunes, Brian. Uh, that's where you can listen to the words. Uh, you, I'm wondering when will you be producing the transcript for this? Since uh, obviously you prefer to read the words. I'm, I, I did. I, I did my transcription time, man. That was my dissertation. <laughs> I'm done with that. Um, I no, no. I try. We actually, my my daughter does little videos that she posts on YouTube that we post on YouTube for these funny little videos, and we actually had to transcribe one of hers because she was like way away from the mic. She doesn't have like a shotgun mic. She's doing it on her on her old iPad, and so trying to transcribe. A six-year-old washing her toy car. So you ask what professors do on their summer vacation. That's what they do on their summer vacation. And it brought up all of the old muscle memory fears of transcription for my dissert for my dissertation. So no, no, I will. I'm a podcast guy, so I so the, the audio works just well. So check us out there, and uh, we appreciate you listening. For Brian Moritz, I'm Galen Clapia. We will catch you on the flip side. So long, everybody.